I'm going to start with all the disclaimers. Eric and I are not dietitians. We are not nutritionists. We know only what we know from our own experience. But nevertheless, people ask us all the time, how do you handle your nutrition? How do you lose weight when you want to? How do you maintain a healthy weight? What do you guys do? So today on the Weekly Walk podcast, Eric and I thought we would share a little bit of our relationship with food, our challenges, our approach to nutrition, and how we strive to maintain our health and wellness around food. So if that's of interest, lace up your sneakers and let's get going. Hey, Eric. Hey, Joyce. Are you a registered dietitian? No, but I stayed in a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's going to get that reference. There are these commercials a few years ago where a guy's like doing brain surgery and they're like, are you a surgeon? No, but I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night. So I remember those commercials and I legit don't understand them at all. Well, they were all about how if you stay at a Holiday Inn Express and you get a really good night's sleep and maybe, I don't know, have their breakfast, you'll be able to do whatever you want the following day. You'll be a high performer. Seriously, that was the point? That was the point. I literally just never understood them. They made no sense <laughs> to me. All right. So we've established you are not a registered dietitian, nor did you actually sleep in a Holiday Inn last <laughs> night. And the only reason I know that is because Moose kept us up all night long. And Moose slept on, on the bed. I don't know how people sleep with dogs on their bed. I guess you get used to it. But having literally slept with our dog on the bed twice now in two decades, <laughs> it's not for me. <laughs> but we're digressing. Let me ask you the same thing. Are you a dietitian, registered or not registered dietitian? No. Are you a nutritionist? No. Me neither. My niece is is finishing up her dietitian studies. Like she's doing her, I don't know if they call it internship or residency or whatever, but she's she's going to be one. Does that count? No, because she's not sitting here in the podcast <laughs> Maybe booth we should us. have her in the podcast one day. That would be so fun. That would be really fun. All right. So let's, uh, let's plan Work that on for that. the future. Okay. But. but in the meantime... So what in the world are we doing talking about kind of what we eat and our personal weight management, weight loss tactics, approach? Well, this sort of came about because yesterday we were playing pickleball. As we are now wont to do. Yes, our second favorite hobby after walking. And uh, the... We were playing against this other couple, and the woman afterwards came up to you and gave you a great big compliment on your physique, physique, your arms, your shoulders, your overall physique. So that was very complimentary. She told me I looked like a teenager. <laughs> I was like, that's my girl. <laughs> and people comment about you all the time. So... Our walking practice, our movement practice, our physical activity, all of that plays a huge role in how we feel and, uh, frankly, how we fit in our clothing. But food, what we eat, what's the expression? You can't outwork a bad diet. Correct. 
Is that the expression? That it's the expression. Do you want to explain it? Because that might not make a whole lot of sense to a whole lot of people. Yeah. Uh, basically, if you are not eating optimally for your body and nutritional needs, basically you're going to be taking in way more calories than you need and a one-hour walk, a one-hour gym session, a three-hour pickleball session, whatever that is, is not actually going to be enough movement or exercise to counteract those excess calories. So what's the other expression? Abs are made in the kitchen, right? That is that is one of the expressions. Uh, but that's not to say that movement isn't a critical part. It's all one big machine. So I also don't want people to be like, oh, moving doesn't matter. No, I was actually listening to Rhonda Patrick, who she's a little out there uh, with her podcast, but she's a like super genius, triple PhD researcher student. And, and I've heard this from other people and her I don't know, philosophy or whatever is that movement uh, is equally, if not even more important than diet. So I, I do want to stress the importance of movement. You know what? I think we should do a whole nother podcast on a blog post I recently wrote around sort of the unexpected ways that a walking practice can contribute to weight loss. But that's sort of a different topic. Yeah. Um, but I totally want to do that. I just want to, these are not, not mutually exclusive. But anyway, people ask us all the time, like, what do you eat? What do you do? What do you do? So we thought we would share a little bit of our personal practices around the food we eat, a little bit of the whys, a little bit of our tactics. Sound good to you? Absolutely. So give me, if you would your number one uh, best tactic for fueling your body optimally and maintaining a healthy weight or losing weight. And maybe those are two different things. Maybe you need to do, do two different things if you are just trying to sort of stay where you are versus shed a little bit of extra. Yeah, I think they're basically the same. For, for me, the difference, I think, is is quantity or portion size. But the well that's so not true what and skipping and the chocolate chip cookies (laughs) snacks yes all right so for anybody who doesn't know eric has a chocolate chip cookie problem so we we have a neighbors and she is a former pastry chef and she makes these chocolate chip cookies that are insane. They're insane. And they had us over for a Christmas Eve open house. And she had like two trays of these. And everybody knows about her chocolate chip cookies. And I had three and a half. And the reason <laughs> that I had three and a half is because I sort of, I ate three. Joyce ate a half and gave me that half. And I ate it. And I, was, I was thinking about it. Our daughter is up. And like, I don't know what's going on. But. We were out to breakfast, and whatever they didn't want to eat, they just <laughs> stick it in my face, and I eat it. So, it's true. <laughs> sort of, that's something I need to work on. Uh, maybe that's something that Maddie and I need to work on. But I, I think the the main thing is, I would say, if if I have 
sort of a philosophy. And this isn't even that conscious or thought out. It's really just something that's evolved. I think the first thing is getting a lot of protein. You can't start with that. No? No, because that's what I was going to start with. Well, We didn't is, even talk about this. This is just sort of what's, what's evolved. All right. Well, I want to talk about my protein situation, too. You go, keep going. Yeah. So, and that starts at the beginning of the day with my typical morning smoothie. Oh, my gosh. He just stole my everything. <laughs> I thought I was your everything. Your... <laughs> <laughs> uh, then the sort of second tenant is... Um, uh, more vegetables and adding those to my diet. I will say when I was younger, considerably younger, I was not a vegetable person. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I would eat them on occasion and it was fairly limited as to the selection. Though I have, uh, I have a friend growing up who, to this day, I think, won't eat lettuce. He's like, it's like eating leaves. He just won't eat lettuce. He's not a vegetable person either. But I have definitely expanded that. And there's pretty much not a vegetable that I won't eat now. So really trying to ramp that up. And... Then the last thing is is being mindful of including some fats and not just ignoring them. So just to dive deeper, usually that's uh, an avocado or a part of an avocado in my smoothie or with my eggs or whatever I'm eating. And sometimes I will put peanut butter in my smoothie if I just feel like it's there's just not enough uh Fat and this is just just a little bit, just to keep me uh, feeling a little little fuller. Let my body know, okay, we're we're getting all three of of those things. So, for me, I'll go back. I'm not going to give you all of my tenants in one, but we'll start with what I have learned about myself. And everybody's different. That's what's so uh, helpful and not helpful because the things that Eric and I talk about that serve us are not necessarily the things that work for other people. But I think one of the things that we've done is become uh, sort of curious about what makes our bodies feel good and what feels like it fuels us well. Uh, so I think that's part of it too, is just being aware of and curious and willing to try different things. So uh, for me, protein in the morning means everything. So there were a couple of years where I was making this like ancient grain, amazing kind of breakfast porridge with so much fabulous nutrition in it. And I put a little bit of dried fruit in it. It was, it was a nutrition powerhouse. And I would have like a cup of it for breakfast. And within 90 minutes, I was starving <laughs> like a ravenous animal. And what I've learned is that if I don't start my day with some kind of meaningful protein, I'm just hungry all day long. So let's talk a little bit about where to get that morning protein, because I do think that we as a culture, I, I mean, I don't know how we think, and now I'm thinking about our coffee 
So often Eric and I will take a walk for coffee at about, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning because there's a coffee shop about half a mile, quarter of a mile. What have we decided? It's like a quarter mile-ish, third of a mile. Uh, each way. And we've started buying muffins to go with our coffee. Scone. Scone. We got to stop that. Yeah. Because there's nothing, there's just nothing good for us about that. But like, I don't know where as a culture we decided that like cake because if anybody is under any misinterpretation, that morning muffin might as well be cake. <laughs> well, and as we, if we go back and sort of date our time, and this is pre-Michigas, we'll say, but the, there was a comedian that used to do the chocolate cake for breakfast bit. Are you familiar with that? I am. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. The, why do we have chocolate cake for breakfast? Why do we have chocolate cake for breakfast? The, I don't know where you're, I don't know where you're going with this. Yeah, I mean, who who thought that was a good, was a good idea that you know muffins? And then there's the muffin story from New York City where the they used to sell these locale muffins that were not. So anyway, I think that. Um, I mean, now we could go off on a whole Sheila Levine is dead and living in New York and who wants to live in a world. So this is such a departure. I don't even know, but you started it. So there's a book called Sheila Levine is dead and living in New York. And it starts with her suicide note. She doesn't actually commit suicide, but she sort of is musing about living in this world. And she talks about the muffin guy in New York who made muffins that he told everybody were 170 calories. Or this was a thing. This uh, this was a thing, right? I used to have two of them. And so did <laughs> Sheila in the book. This is how she starts her book. And then it's revealed that each of these muffins actually has like 400 calories. And Sheila Levine in this opening of this book, which this is the only part of the book I remember, said, how could I want to live in a world where a man would lie to chubby, young New York City women about how many calories are in a muffin. He lied to me, too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and your point of all of this? Is that we need to think a little bit more about our breakfast choices or that the food industrial complex has just sort of done what's in their interest, I think, not in ours. Like, cookie crisp for breakfast? Like, how, yeah, I'll leave it there. So, protein, a, a good protein source for breakfast, that is essential for me. So, I'm talking eggs, I'm talking tofu. I will sometimes eat leftover salad with some kind of protein in it for breakfast. Now, I know that doesn't necessarily appeal to everybody. Um, I went through an uh, egg white omelet phase where I was making little egg white omelets every day. Um, and then there is our morning smoothie. Yeah, and I go, and this is something that I have looked into and I've researched and I... I think it sort of goes to the everyone is different. But when you when you look at the research, eggs, which I love, if, if like I could only eat one food for the rest of my life, it would be eggs. Ideally on a bagel if we're <laughs> talking about that. But depending on the research, eggs are either okay and you're supposed to limit the quantity and egg whites are better and blah, 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 or eggs are a 
super nutrition food. I don't really know, but I figure since I love them and my body kind of craves them that I think for my body, they're a superfood. And I love eggs. Happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so eggs for breakfast and our smoothies. Not just eggs. I, I As I said, tofu scramble, I, there are a lot of non- uh, animal protein sources out there. Beans for breakfast, I know that sounds crazy, but I process beans really well. Um, so all and the things. Just eggs. They're made from beans and they taste just like eggs. I mean, they really are remarkable. They are really good. I actually like them a little bit better than eggs sometimes. I'll do a 50-50 mix when oh, we have them in the interesting. house, which is what I really like to do. All right. So really focusing on breakfast. That's key, at least for me. All right, what else What else do we do? Oh, can I tell the story of, um, I'm gonna tell a quick story. Go for it. So a million years ago, we had a friend. She was sort of a master of the universe, New York City finance person. Our kids were exactly the same age and her son really struggled with his weight. And our son struggled a little bit. He had that sort of young, a young kid, you know, boy pudge, and they were weekend people. So we didn't see them much, or summer people, we didn't see them much over the winter. So they come out in the spring and our son has really uh, gotten much healthier and sort of leaned out and gotten much more active. And her son had sort of gone in the opposite direction. And she said, you know, how'd you do it? And I said, you know, we really didn't do anything. We just try to stay active as a family. Um, and we really don't keep a lot of junk junky snacks and, and candy and stuff in the house. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, I could never do that. I'm like, <laughs> well, okay. But that goes to, we just don't keep a lot of, we certainly don't keep chocolate chip cookies in the house because you can't be trusted. And we don't keep ice cream in the house typically because I, I just eat the ice cream till it's gone. Yeah, it's, you know, People often often say, you know, wow, you know, you're, you work out a lot and you watch what you eat. You must have really good willpower. And <laughs> <laughs> Joyce is laughing because if you rewind, what, six minutes, you'll hear the Rachel Cookie story. I have no friggin' willpower. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at everybody. Like the whole idea of relying on willpower I, that's just not going to work because we are, we were just talking about this yesterday in the car. Like we are wired to take in as many calories as we can. So if we make it really easy to take in low quality, lots yeah, calorie dense food, we're going. Yeah. And I don't know if you can call this willpower, but what I do is I don't walk down the cookie aisle in the grocery store. And we, we made peppermint bark for the holidays and we were giving it out as gifts and we did it with our team. And like, I just ate a lot of it because it's there. And when it's not there, I don't eat it. It's, it's that simple. But it's actually, it's not even that simple. You ready? Mm -hmm. When it's not there, do you even think about it? Mm. See, I don't really. If it's not there, it just doesn't sort of cross my. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really think about it like that. So it's even it's even more powerful, kind of, not to have it. But I want to be really clear. 
I eat ice cream on the regular and you eat chocolate chip cookies on the regular. Like there's a difference between saying I'll never eat another chocolate chip cookie or I'll never have ice cream or froyo versus I just don't keep it in the house because it creates this natural boundary. Like I have to want it a lot. Uh, right. To go to go get it. Yeah. 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 And, you know, <laughs> what what is in the house? You know, what do, what do we have? readily available prunes <laughs> figs uh nuts lots of nuts lots of dried fruit that's pretty much it and dried fruit is pretty uh i can i can do some damage on dried fruit actually yeah yeah me too we, we actually don't keep a lot of that around the house uh, okay so protein especially early in the day not keeping junky stuff Junky. Can I use the word junky about food? I think I can. Okay. Junky food in the house. And for me, I have I have something that I'm sort of I'm working on now or I'm trying to be more conscious of, which is protein bars. So I will eat them for a snack. But you know, in general, the foods that are gonna deliver the most nutrition, the highest quality are foods that are food unprocessed. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Leaves, meats, you know, potatoes, things that things that grow and things that move. <laughs> so protein bars, you don't go out to a protein bar tree <laughs> and <laughs> harvest the protein bars. <laughs> so I typically have have one a day, sometimes two a day, and on rare occasions, three. Those those are usually when we're on a plane going somewhere and we're afraid we might run out of food on the three-hour flight to Florida. So I'll bring four protein bars. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case. Well, it's fair. You know, there are those instances where people get on a plane and they end up sitting on the tarmac for like eight hours. Yeah, the news covers that. You know, it could be us. Yeah. Or we could be flying to Florida and end up crashing our plane in the Andes <laughs> and have to survive in, in the mountains of 15,000 feet. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Not on the way to Florida, Probably from New not. York to Florida. No Andes in between. S uh, so trying to dial back your protein bar. Yeah. And that's going to involve bringing the type of snacks that I want to eat with me to, to the office and having around and, and making those available rather than uh, running to the nearby gas station or so convenience store for protein bars. So this raises another really interesting point. Eric and I eat all the time. <laughs> we eat frequently. And this doesn't work for everybody. And you have tried intermittent fasting. Oh, the time that Eric tried intermittent fasting. So uh, I was hangry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I could he was so miserable. <laughs> He was so miserable. And it worked. It was a time when you were trying to lose a few pounds for an upcoming competition and you felt like you needed to be a little leaner because, you know, less weight on all those gazillion pull-ups and all that, whatever. But uh, so intermittent fasting has worked really well for some people, does not work for me. 
It doesn't work for me because I don't want to be that uncomfortable. I don't want to be that miserable and I don't think I have to be. Now, some people love intermittent fasting because the quote unquote rules are so simple. That said, I realize I do and have for a long time kind of done a certain version of intermittent fasting. Oh yeah, how's that? You ready? I'm ready. You know this about me. Okay. But I don't eat after dinner. Mm. I just don't eat after dinner. Dinner is done, dishes are done, kitchen is closed, and I I can almost say I never eat after dinner, and we eat pretty early, right? So we eat at six, usually, mm -hmm. sometimes even a little bit earlier, and I don't eat anything until the next day. Yep. Is that intermittent fasting? Not quite. Close, but I think for it to technically be intermittent fasting, you need to, I think, they, air quotes, they say like 16 hours. There's like a rule around it? Yes. <laughs> there are rules for everything. <laughs> All right. So I don't, well, anyway. But uh, but technically, I mean, that's that's what we're designed to do. Like you finish eating, you go to sleep, and then you break the fast, hence breakfast. Uh, and I was just recently reading a little bit of uh, new research around eating too close to bedtime. And this is something, so this goes to one that the, the things that I'm working on and regular listen, listeners are probably so tired of hearing this because I've been working on this for two or three years and not making any progress. Which is what? The after dinner walk. Mm. So the research suggests that uh, eating too close to bedtime, bad for our blood sugar, bad for our weight, bad for our sleep, like literally bad for everything. They recommend three hours between meal and sleep. <laughs> We're going to have to start eating at four. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, truthfully, when Maddie goes back to college, I think I'd like to go back to eating closer to 530. Yeah. Um, but... That said, a post-dinner walk is so unbelievably good for your body and your mind and your stress and your sleep and your blood sugar. I just wish I could do it. Well, you are a morning person, so I get that. But I'm I'm in to, to try again. It would make Moose very happy. I know he loves he loves he loves being outside anytime. Uh, all right. You want to try that again as we head into yeah, head into this year? Hopefully the weather will hold for us and we'll be able to do that. Though snowy walks are nice. Too. I was going to say, if it was if it's snowy, I'm actually more likely to go out on that evening walk because I love walk. It's just the, the cold rain, sleet, wind. That's no, not interesting. It's not fun before bed. <laughs> no, but uh, getting in that evening walk. So... If I were to suggest my the practices that I find most useful for me, as far as, uh, honestly, weight management, weight loss, all the things, protein early in the day, don't eat after dinner, and if you can get in that evening walk, all the better. Those are probably my top three. And what about you? Um, avoiding processed foods, for sure. Um, and one thing that I'm starting to do again just to be mindful as you know we are in winter time and things are we are a little less active but filling my plate once and that being enough 
because sometimes we'll cook or often we cook extra. Yeah, we cook extra and we cook pretty yummy food. We make this coconut rice. Maddie made these potatoes that I love. We make a nice salad. She's been doing this arugula salad with lemon oh, olive that's, oil dressing. That's insane, that salad. And and even we grill, I grill all year round. In the summer, probably four or five nights a week. And in the winter, two or three. So I will fix a plate, we'll eat it. And then I will go fix about another half a plate worth. And I'll eat that. And I think for the time being and moving forward, I don't need that extra half a plate. I just don't. What's the, uh, from the blue zones, the expression of 80%, eat till you're 80% full? Oh, yeah. Um, it's like hachi bachi boo or something. It is not. It is definitely not hachi bachi boo, but there is. It's close to that. Is it really? Yeah, it, it does sort of rhyme with that. Uh, there is a, a phrase in Okinawa, which is one of the blue zones where a disproportionate number of people live to be 100 plus, where they, as a, as a community, as a culture, eat until they're 80% full. And I think here, we eat till we're like 110% full. <laughs> Some days, 120%. Yes. So that's just portion control. I mean, I, not to whatever, but like just eat a little less food. That helps too. A yes. lot. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on is my hachi bachi boo. Hachi, exactly. <laughs> we'll see if we can find the actual phrase and put it in the notes. That would be better. Um, I have a last thought that I want to share, which is uh, when I am trying to uh, lose a few pounds, which happens from time to time, certainly, I work really hard to focus on what I am adding and going to eat versus what I'm not going to eat. So the whole, I do not diet, I don't consider, I, I actually ran into a friend of mine the other day and she, I don't even remember the context and she was like, I'm on a diet. And I thought, oh, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so I know for me, four o'clock in the afternoon, between three and four is kind of a, a difficult time for me food-wise because all I want are chocolate chips or a candy bar, best case, a protein bar. Um, and one thing that I'll do is I'll eat an apple or I'll eat a hard-boiled egg or something. It'll be affirmative. And then if I still want the other thing, I'll eat that too. Nine times out of 10, once I have eaten the more nutritious thing, remarkably, I'm less interested in the less nutritious thing. So rather than focus on kind of eliminating, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I focus on what I am going to do. How about that? That's a great way to look at it. I am thinking about the apple and I don't, you may not even know this, but I do 80% of the grocery shopping. You do. And one of the things that I'll do is... I I'll, do know that. I'll buy... <laughs> if I'm buying apples, I will usually buy an extra one and eat it on the drive home because usually I go shopping after work before cooking dinner, so I'm usually hungry. Or sometimes I'll just buy an apple and I'll eat it in, in the car. And that's like my, my little snack. I never knew. <laughs> I'm just a 
Myst box of mysteries. <laughs> oh, I learned something new about you every day. Do you think every, we offered any? Every, yeah. Every podcast. Every podcast, <laughs> I learned something. Do you think we offered anything at all useful? I think so. I think it's, uh, I think the general thing is just paying more attention, being more mindful, thinking of these different things, not overthinking it, not going into. Like you said, like your your friend, uh, you know, a diet and suffering, but just focusing on on the good stuff. Uh, yes, and that's actually where I want to close, even though I know we're totally out of time, which is we got to stop punishing ourselves with diet culture. We have to stop thinking about this through such a negative lens and thinking about it. How do I care for my body? How could I fuel my body in a way that feels good? Yeah, and I was just thinking, you know, if you go back 200 years, 300 years, 1,000 years, you know, all the healthy, nutritious foods and the greens and the fish and, and all this stuff that we can eat is an amazing treat. It's a treat. And I, th I think that if we can think of it more that way, We'll just fuel ourselves in a, in a more positive manner. Agreed. I used to think that when I went out into nature and left my phone and earbuds behind and walked in silence, letting my mind go wherever it wanted, that I was doing a walking meditation. And then I met Yael Shai, and she taught me that there's so much more to a walking meditation. It was so incredible and insightful and expanded my world in such a way that I went to Yael and I said, will you work with us to create a program, 30 days, 30 walks, that could help introduce other people to the power of a walking meditation? Can we dismantle the idea that in order to meditate, you have to sit in a dimly lit room on a cushion? Can we create a meditation program for people who love to move? And so we did Meet the Joyful Wanderer 30-Day Walking Meditation app, which is available in the Apple Store and the Google Play Store right now. <laughs>